everyone. Welcome to Mark My Words, the only podcast for independent paint and hardware retailers. I'm your host, Mark Lipton. Thank you very much for joining me today. Hey, thanks for joining me today. Uh, with me today is Jim Rogers. Jim is the director of brands at Golden Paintworks. Uh, he's got a really interesting uh, story and and of what he's up to now, and a really interesting history within our industry. Uh, Golden Paintworks is a manufacturer of both uh, fine art and decorative art finished products. And so fine art products are the sort of things that you would see in a traditional art store, tubes of acrylics and uh, tubes of oil paint and things like that. And the decorative arts are the products that, that we would deal with uh, as independent paint retailers. One of the things that's interesting to me about this story is that Jim is the original inventor of the Modern Masters line, is the original creator, I should say, of the Modern Masters line. And so he's got a lot of experience uh, when it comes to uh, creating metallic finishes that sell when it comes to creating Venetian plaster finishes that sell. He's got a lot of experience in this space. Uh, I came across them, you know, just sort of tripped across them. Uh, I found some work that they were doing on social media. Uh, they're doing a really good job of, of getting recognition for their products uh, on, on, online. And they're doing that primarily through social media, which, you know, for any, any of you that listen regularly or, or read my blog regularly, uh, you know how important I feel, at least, uh, social media is to the future of this industry. And so they've they've actually put up a website with some e-commerce and, and they're having some success uh, selling that product online, but they still feel like the best uh, solution for them long term, and I agree, is to be in stores. You, you want to be online, you want to have e-commerce, but of course that has to be supported uh, by brick and mortar locations. And so uh, uh, that I think is the goal ultimately of their e-commerce is to uh, make some more room in some brick and mortar locations. And so they've done, they're, they're taking that stab. And so what they've done to uh, make themselves uh, what they feel is attractive to independent retailers is they've really scaled down uh, the number of SKUs that they uh, are, are requiring retailers to stock uh, to create the full spectrum of their line. So imagine, remember when I was a, I remember when I was a Modern Masters dealer, they had 40 or 50 ready-made colors. We had to carry all of those in the six ounce jars. And then of those, we had a dozen of those in the quartz. And then of those, we had maybe the top two or three in the gallons. But I always found that frustrating because I often didn't have the one that I wanted. And with those specialty products, you know yourself, you can sell the turquoise one day and then not sell it again for 15 years. And so what these guys are doing is a little unique. They are making these products available in a base system that can be tinted in your store. And that is unique and different. And so for that reason, and for the fact that 
uh, that they are independent. They are not owned by anybody. Golden Paintworks is owned by a guy whose last name is Golden. And so I, I love that independent connection. I love that connection, I should say, between independent retailers and independent manufacturers. I do think that independent retailers should be supporting independent manufacturers whenever they can. I think it's good for our industry and space. And so give Jim a listen and and let me know what you think. Like, subscribe, shoot me a text, whatever suits you. And uh, thanks very much for listening. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining me today. With me today is Jim Rogers. Jim is the director of brands uh, for Golden Paintworks in New Berlin, New York. Jim, how are you today? Oh, I'm excellent, Mark. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to you and your your viewers or listeners out there. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You and I had a long conversation a couple of weeks ago and I hung up the phone and thought to myself, I, I really want to do a podcast because you guys are in an interesting space. Uh, Golden Paintworks is, is a specialty manufacturer of fine and decorative finishes. And, and you have an interesting history. And so before we get into what Golden Paintworks is actually doing, let's talk a little bit about your history. Okay, sure. Uh, wow, I've been in uh, myself full-time in the paint industry since 1977, so it goes back quite a ways, uh, creating art materials and materials for wall decor manufacturers uh, with my father uh, in Los Angeles. And Golden, by the way, and Mark and his father, they were like doing something similar starting in the 80s, uh, in in New York, so they were kind of like our doppelganger, like where there was like these two families on either coast. Uh, so you know that's how I kind of met them through the years through the art side, uh, and then eventually in the '80s I started to I created a brand which is Modern Masters, uh, and then from there I started expanding through the '90s into decorative arts and faux finishing materials and metallic paints, and a lot of that was stuff that we had already been doing really since the seventies and just repackaged, renamed, reformulated and, and created products for that, for that industry and really started to focus on the independent paint dealer and how to bring decorative finishes that made sense marketing wise and offering wise to paint dealers across the U S and Canada. And so, uh, you said something before I wanted to make sure I didn't miss it. You founded modern masters. I did. It was my father's company, you know, back in the sixties, early sixties when when he started. It was Custom Paint and Chemical Company, which nobody could remember what the hell that was or what it meant or anything. So uh, I created the branding for Modern Masters because we had no brand. So I created that for art materials for paint, you know, for art stores uh, in the eighties, and then eventually I turned that into the actual corporate name. Bought the shell of my father's company. And then started up Modern Masters. It it sounds like you're on a different uh, on a similar path now with a different manufacturer. Is that is that take correct? And that take is like so correct. Uh, I, I've been so blessed to not many of us get a chance to do a redo or a do over of our career. So you know, after forty years of building up and going through this whole piece of my life focused on independent paint dealers. You know, the Goldens asked me if I could do something like this and help them get into the into the industry, and which I kind of had them blocked in it. And similarly, they had me blocked in the art side. So I had abandoned right. fine art for only decorative. But now they're not blocked by me. 
And so it's given me the ability and the opportunity really to look at what I had been doing for decades and what, and what worked all through the nineties and the early two thousands isn't the same thing that works today. It's not the same needs from a dealer standpoint and amount of products really necessary for decorative finishers or, or enthusiastic amateurs that are out there doing decorative finishing. So it's really a different time period. So it's it's really exciting for me to be able to produce something different, market it different, and then come back to the same people that I've known for my entire career and say, hey, I've got a, a better mousetrap. And so uh, tell me, Jim, what is it? It sounds like you're making similar products uh, at Golden to what you were making at Modern Masters. But what is the, the significant difference uh, between the two as you're going into this new venture? The significant difference is reducing the amount of SKUs for the retailer without reducing the amount of creative products on the shelf for a finisher. And, and that's where I've been looking at this as more of an evolutionary idea and look at what we're doing instead of using the old adage of, of building a thing sideways and adding more and more products to the, to the dealer to be able to service those people is to reduce that yet still have the serviceability. And so how have you got, so what you're saying is smaller SKU count makes more products. Yes. Effectively. And most of that is being, yes. And most of that is being done by creating our own tinting of those products at the store level so that they can offer a wider version of color without having those actually on the shelf. Oh, got so you. So tinted themselves. So you have you have a base system that you've created for metallic paints is what you're saying. Yes, and it's actually a base system for metallic paints, metallic textures, uh, Venetian plaster, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And this time like coming out with having a color offering and supplying the formulations to the paint store and then they can recreate those colors for their customers on demand and still waiting for those products to come to them through distribution. Right. And so it, it sounds to me like you've got some sort of tintable system. You've created some sort of bases that from that, uh, it allows you to, to create a wider spectrum of metallic colors. Is that right? Yes, that's exactly right. So we actually have bases for each section of our, of our offering from metallic paints, metallic textures, uh, which also called metallic plasters out of the marketplace. <clears throat> Venetian plaster, uh, we have a, a myriad of different uh, travel pie products, and each one of those is tenable, or they're not tenor at all. They're, they're meant to be used straight out of the bucket. Right, as some so sort that, of white or off-white color, you mean? Yes, right. yes. So they have like an effect that they do all by themselves. Right. Uh, the tenable bases are really something I've had in my mind for quite a number of years, but we're unable to really instigate that uh, because of all the pre-colored materials that were being offered in the marketplace. So this this product line is a very specific base system that when you, when you tint it, it creates hide and color uh, and ease of application, which is something I've always you know, been focused on in my career. Uh, and I, I really believe in this product line. So, um, yeah, that's basically what what the difference is between this and the offer. 
and it's in the marketplace now. And so basically what you're saying is if you're a retailer of uh, specialty finishes like this, and now we're talking, uh, I'm speaking of metallics, but I do understand, you, you know, in general, uh, Golden is talking about a wider range of products. But uh, if we're talking about metallics, uh, I might have three or four bases in my store and then all of the how many colors can be made off of that three or three or four bases? Well, we started with 28. I chose 28 uh, colors that I, I felt were like the ones that particularly sell. There's some new ones in there for the for 2020 and beyond. But for the most part, they're very traditional in their look. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of those are created out of. So the four base colors are also colors on their own. So you end up with 32 colors Interesting, uh, and then we can expand from that at any time without expanding the offering. And, and so does that mean that these products are customizable at the point of sale? Can a retailer uh, use these as a color matching uh, opportunity where they can maybe create something unique for a, for a customer or a designer? Absolutely. Because this, you know, giving you the formulations on how to tint these then gives the the retailer the actual, like, basis of that color behind it. And right. from there can make adjustments. So it gives you, like, all the kind of tools you need to be able to create customs without blowing a lot of product trying to figure it out. Right. And so your pitch to independent retailers is basically that that you have these fine, high, high-end metallics that don't require uh, as significant of an investment uh, because you're dealing with m- many fewer SKUs. I, I remember I was a modern master's retailer when I had my stores. I did very well with the line, but I would have to admit, looking back, it's inventory intensive. Yes, or, or you're you know really leaning on distribution, so you're not able to uh, provide product instantaneously for somebody walking through the door that wanted a particular color because you'd have to carry every single thing. So this way, when somebody comes in, you can do instant gratification because that's what the world's about right now, right? Everybody right. wants everything right this minute. So, and typically decorative finishers and, and enthusiastic amateurs, and they walk into a paint store, they act like this is just like when they're going to come by and pick up some paint. So they're just going to get in line on Friday. I got a job tomorrow and I need this, you know, purple. You're like, what? I don't have purple metallic. You know, I have to order that right. and get it brought in. And this gives the dealer the opportunity right then to just tin it right off and hand it to them. Right, right. And that was a problem that we that we dealt with uh, when when we had the original Modern Masters, Masters line. There were... I don't know, what would you say, 18 or 20 colors. We had sort of all of them in the little six ounce jars and and probably a third of them in the quart jars and probably only two or three of them in the gallon jars, in the gallon cans. And we could have used more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. As a dealer, you probably just don't remember this, but there was actually 50. Wow, I don't remember that. Yeah, it's probably gave you nightmares. So you've tried to not remember it, but there was 50 colors that were in the six ounce containers. And then your quarts and your gallons. And again, like understanding which one was going to move was really just uh, playing roulette. You would have no right. idea. And you, and you could get tricked. You can have somebody come in and buy, you know, 10 gallons of a green 
and you're like, oh man, that's fantastic. I'm going to bring in some green and then you never sell green ever again. Right, right, right. That is the problem with those specialty finishes. Yes. When I got to Golden and took a look at their product line, they'd done a really good job of simplifying items that could be expanded on. So that was an interesting piece, but they didn't really understand the independent paint dealer and what the hook would be to to get them involved in the product line and what the hook was for the decorative finisher. So there's a, like a lot of hidden like gems that were sitting in there that just needed to get pulled out and, and dressed up and then a story put with them so that it could actually move. Cause that's what you're really doing is telling a story with the products right. and trying to have, you know, tell that story for the dealer to the consumer. Right. So that was the piece that I was really bringing to them. Interesting. And so what other products other than the metallics, uh, what other products is, is golden dealing with, uh, in the decorative, uh, art side? I know you had mentioned that they are a manufacturer of fine art products and that's interesting, but that's, that's not who we're talking to in this podcast. No, no, not at all. Uh, although there is, you know, crossover dealers that carry the, yes. the golden line of artist colors. But yes. That's still not the, uh, that's not, not the bulk the of it, right? That's not no, the no. bulk of it. And so no, what other really, products other than the metallics are you dealing with out of your decorative program? Uh, the standards. So we're doing Venetian plaster, but we're doing a single base, not double or triple bases, a single base. Uh, we have other trial applied materials like a sandstone, a very unique soapstone item that is basically Venetian plaster, like a cousin of it, that is flat. So it doesn't really burnish when you put it on the wall. Interesting. Uh, our, probably our top selling item that we have is our uh, glass bead gel. And the glass beads are a very, very popular look. And, and I always thought they were a pain in the past because I've had them in the past, but couldn't really understand like the application of them. But we've simplified that with a, a base coat primer material that the, it actually orients the beads so anybody can put them on in an even, uh, an even film across a wall. And, and they're really beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And so how do retailers sell these? I would think your, your, uh, your, your best candidate for retailers are retailers that already have some sort of design or uber creative aspect to their business. They have a lot of uh, decorative painters or they have a lot of designers or something like that. Would I be right? Yeah, I would think so because you know it's the decorative, and I'm sure you know has been on a downswing for years, mm -hmm. and now it's just starting to come back again. Mm -hmm. So again, it's really the independent paint dealer is the actual point of sale that is appropriate for these products. This is not a box item, and, and no. every time somebody gets involved with the boxes or even big chains with these with these items it loses something. I don't know if it's the audience or credibility. Something right. happens where it doesn't move. Right. So this is really a, a pain deal. And that's why I've been such a big proponent of, you know, PDR and, and, uh, all pro. And, you know, this is where I, I cut my teeth and, you know, where I've created a career <clears throat> is with the ind independent paint dealer. You know, it's interesting. Certain products just require an explanation and and these types of products are are among them right and and so certain things uh independents do particularly well certain things where we struggle 
but one of the areas where we do particularly well is on high touch areas where where something a product is specialized in such a way that that hand holding makes it a better product independents have a tendency to do very very well in that space that's that's so true and and i've always felt like the amount of time that we're asking a paint dealer to spend with the customer where a lot of times they don't have to spend as much time and get a, a get a sale. Right. And this one, there's a lot of handholding that goes involved that's right. involved in that. Right. But I don't want to also then burden them with a ton of inventory. So it's like you, you burden them with inventory and then you burden them with the task of sitting there and handholding everybody to make a purchase. Right. So they had to think of it in a different way. And that's why I think this is more of an evolutionary way of looking at it from both the dealer and the consumer at the same time, not one or the other. Right. And, and so tell me, how are you uh, marketing this? How are you supporting dealers uh, that do take your product line in? We're doing a ton of social media. That seems to be the thing now because in decorative, there's, there's very few touch points as far as magazines or things like that to be involved with to reach that audience. So now that audience is, really being reached through social media. And we have a whole arm that that's all they're doing all day long is like setting up posts, doing concentrated uh, blasts into areas where our dealers are sitting. Uh, and also in e-commerce, where we've created a, a dealer direct integrated e-commerce site that's connected to our own website. So people can get the information, they can get the visible videos on how to apply, and then they can choose purchase product pick a dealer and they can either do curbside or in store or have the product delivered. It's, it's up to them through the independent retailer. So your site is managing that transaction. Correct. Correct. I'm trying to set it up so that it, it would manage that whole thing. It collects the money. It, it does the paint care fees. It, it, it does everything all at once. And so all the dealer then gets, gets an email blast saying, Hey, we have an order. Here's the color. Here's the number of the base. Here's the color. This is the quantity. And here's the customer. Right. And then the dealer can tell the customer, hey, I have it. I'll have it ready for you at three or I have it ready for you tomorrow. And and that's it, it brings that engagement back to the between the dealer and the, and the customer themselves. So you guys are working hard to move these products into the e-commerce space. And I, I see some wisdom there, right? I mean, I'm guessing these are all smaller products for the most part uh, and, and probably a little bit more expensive. So even on the bigger products like the gallons of, of Venetian plaster, you know, probably nobody cares if it's eight or ten dollars to ship. And so that right. probably helps you in this space, right? It does. And a lot more information. I'm trying to take some of the burden again that I feel that the product lines themselves and this category put on a dealer right. and trying to pull some of that off. Because, again, I, this whole thing of somebody just walking in and needing things right that moment, you know, it'd be a lot easier. You can control the interaction between the person walking in and ordering, you know, 10 gallons of uh, metallic paint color for this weekend's job, if they knew that ahead of time and it was already all taken care of, then the dealer could sort it out and get it to them in a timely fashion. 
and not having them just stand in line and just drop the bomb on them when they get up to the counter. Right. And what about for the dealers that have e-commerce platforms already? Because there are many in the space that that have platforms in place, as well as many that uh, will be adding e-commerce in the coming months. So what what is your strategy as it as it comes to engaging with those retailers? I would do anything I can to help those retailers take information off of our site because it's it's not about that. It was really about helping the dealers that did not have that. Right. Because I, I found so far, most of the ones I've dealt with so far have not really engaged in e-commerce. Right. But there are ones that are starting, and then it's kind of a uh, – you can't be connected to our site and then have your own site. It's weird. So – I would I would much prefer than just handing over all the information so that they can upgrade their own site with our products right. and take care of it themselves. Right. And so your intention is to continue, even as you add dealers, your intention is to continue to keep this uh, in the space of independent retailers. And, and as retailers add e-commerce, your intention is to allow the retailers e-commerce to start taking over in markets where you have retailers. Absolutely. If I could get it so they're just all taking care of it entirely. That right. would be fantastic. That would be the end game to right. me. So it's, the, it's like you know, everybody's doing such a great job. I can just take this down. Right. That, that would that would be the ultimate to me. Right. Right. Or just leave it as a uh, as a high end vanity site. So uh, a site that that shows your products, that features your products, but that shoves the e commerce section back to the retailers. Absolutely. That, that's so. I meant by taking down only right. the e-commerce part. Right. Yeah, exactly. The needs to be stat. Yeah, it needs to be there. Right. Um, the website is the important piece of this. Right. Even even is. for retailers, the website is the important piece of this. It's what drives the e-commerce in everybody's situation. And and the whole thing with COVID right now, you know, it's just timing. So having an e-commerce site that that comes up and it's it's really meant to bring the capability of people that are way outside of where our dealer base is because we don't have a lot of dealers presently. Right. And we're trying to build that network. Right. Is have people in those other territories have the ability to be able to buy it and try it and then reconnect them up with dealers that we're, you know, trying to handshake in those areas and get them involved in our product. But I, you know, I don't want to have it hidden only in the store. So this, this is a way to try and expand the dealer base itself and the accessibility of the product to the end consumer. Well, so it's got to be an easy way to uh, open up a retailer, open up a new retailer, is to walk in and say, listen, I see you're here in, pick a name, Buffalo, New York. Hey, I, I want you to know that that it, it you only need 16 gallons to of paint to represent our whole line, and, and we shipped over $12,000 worth of paint to Buffalo, New York last year. You can have it all. Right. What a Correct. what a what a easy way. What dealer says no to that, right? Right. <laughs> and so that's that sounds like that's the plan is use social media to to start moving this product and then hopefully have dealers pull it in from that demand. Yeah, because you need it. I need the dealer base. Correct. And especially with an idea idea of of the tinting and on demand for a consumer walking into a retailer, I still need brick and mortar. That's correct. This, this, yeah, this isn't built around being an e-commerce that, product. This is really built around a, a dealer, and this is just part of the evil task of 
of trying to get the the product line out there and get it to be known. Right. But it's not the end game. It's not the end game at all. Right, right. And and I would think that as uh, you continue to make more products, I suspect that they would uh, be based on a base system so that uh, you don't have to uh, keep loading up dealers with more SKUs. So in fact, as you grow, you'll be even more uh, dependent on your independent retailers uh, to, to represent you guys online and in their stores. You're a very smart man, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm going to get my girlfriend on the phone real quick, Jim. Yeah, and, I'll and, tell her. And I'm going to bring her back and I want you to repeat that for me. <laughs> she won't be home from work for an hour, but if you don't mind holding, because <laughs> I, I don't, don't mind I, holding. I got to tell you, she doesn't hear that very often, or I don't hear that very often. Any anything for a paint brother? Yes, <laughs> I appreciate that. And so, what's what's been the history here? How long have you been working on this? It sounds like this is a a fairly new project for you. Uh, yes, I've been there two years. Okay, so uh, really, we launched this at All Pro Spring Show uh, two years ago. Okay, uh, and, and it was still you know being labeled at the show. I mean, that's how new it was at that time. Right. And um, and so at that time, Golden was just making artist supplies. Is that what you're saying? Artist coatings? Uh, they, were, they were doing artist coatings, but they also had this line. It was called Lifestyles. Uh, and it was something that they brought up. It was like all the trowel applied product. And it was being marketed as like a easy to use uh, product and a contractor product. And I'm like, you have a trowel in your hand and that negates two of those things right away. Right. And there was no focus on some of the things they had that were absolutely fantastic, which is like their metallic paint, which most of the business really comes from metallic paint, glaze, and a top coat. That's where a lot of the business really comes from. I suspect that's and true, right? They, and they had a fantastic offering of that completely hidden in there. So you didn't even know it was in there. They right. didn't know what they had. Right. But, but I could tell what it was. I, I saw it. Right. Having done this before for Modern Masters. Absolutely. Right. And, and so tell me, tell me what areas do you think this is going into? So it sounds like in the, in the next, you know, couple of years, you guys are interested in adding some dealers, particularly some dealers uh, that have some representation online. Where does this go product wise for you guys? What, what's the future looking like for decorative coatings, decorative finishes like this? My feeling is that we're going to see more of the, uh, especially a millennial group who really like to do project driven like items. So they're more driven to like do a piece of furniture than they are to doing their walls. Right. But, but back, you know, go back 25 years ago and it was the same thing. So people just don't remember, but you know, 25 years ago, you know, people thought I was insane when I said, Oh, you could paint your wall in a metallic paint. I'm like, you know, who would want that Liberace or something like right. why would anybody want that? And, but it, and it wasn't that simple, but when the finishes then, you know, got into the creative group and they started thinking of like how to put it, where to put it, you know, that kind of spurred on the wall movement. Then, then that's kind of slowed down. And then here comes all the furniture again. So it's manageable pieces and it's part of the upsell, you know, upscaling or up, uh, or cycling of materials, right? And that's really where you know the chalk paints and all these things are coming from. That portion of, of something that's 
manageable price-wise and manageable size-wise. Mm-hmm. But you you move those people onto the wall. That, that's like their next thing you get them to do is move onto the wall. That right. being said, I still think that there's more consumer products and consumer-friendly products that can be done in bases and introduced in a paint store where you're not carrying a whole bunch of SKUs to do that finish. And that's what I'm really focusing on. So that was funny that you brought that up. So thank you. Right. Yeah, no problem. We tripped on that one. But it it seems like uh, this is an opportunity for retailers, uh, particularly that are engaged in e-commerce, because these items, I suspect, would be very light in terms of uh, weight to price. And so these items actually could be shipped. These could be put in a box. Uh, packaged well and and shipped to somebody 30 miles away from your store, you wouldn't have to engage necessarily with one of your own trucks because I'm thinking a $200 order of this material looks like a a couple of quarts and a flogging brush, right? I'm thinking it's as expensive stuff. No, you're you're absolutely right. And and what I find fascinating, like looking at the e-commerce and watching the orders that are coming through, that an average order is around one hundred and eighty-eight dollars right. as a as a minimum. I've, I've had very few below that. I've had as much as a thousand bucks. Right. But you're right. It's not a lot of gear going out the door. Right. A thousand dollars, and and you got a you got a twelve by twelve box sitting on the floor ready to go. Yeah. So a thousand bucks, and you're like doing three uh, or four two gallon boxes. Right. And sending it out UPS. Right. And so that's a real opportunity for retailers because you can, through e-commerce, you can manage business further away from your stores than you normally could, but without necessarily committing uh, any resources uh, to, to doing that. So you don't have to commit to send a driver out there because these products are a little bit more expensive. You, you can afford to put them into UPS or USPS and still make your margins, right? And so it's really an opportunity to to grow your your footprint uh, of the area that you cover if you use products like this. Absolutely. And I, now I think I had told you that I, I had done something similar with this with the old Shopify system with Modern Masters back in the day. Right. And when I did that, you know, I ended up with about 11 dealers, you know, cause this goes back a while. There's about, I think we ended up with 40. Then we ended up with 11 dealers at the end. And those 11 dealers like service the entire U S right. And they, and they were doing half a million dollars back then. Right. Uh, <laughs> on e-commerce and it was unheard of and they all love that. Right. So Jim, uh, we're getting down to our last few minutes. Uh, sounds like you've spent a, a lot of time in your career uh, with products like this, dealing specifically with independent retailers, and and that's who's listening uh, to this podcast here. So, what sort of final thoughts or words uh, would you want to share with independent retailers? Well, as a patio manufacturer and distributor of these products to this group. Uh, the one thing that I would want to bring up to them is as an independent dealer, they should, they're going to need independent manufacturers who are focused and have passion, et cetera, for this type of a piece of the industry. If you don't have that focus, don't have a vision for the future, uh, don't understand the dealer base, then they're going to have a hard time moving products that are on their shelves. And the thing will just die away. You, somebody has to be passionate about this industry. 
And really, they should be trying to support independent manufacturers, uh, especially uh, to be able to support them as as we go into the, the next phase of, of our industry. Well, I'm a I'm a big fan of supporting independence, as you know. Uh, it's a it's a foundation piece for the work I'm doing, and and I agree with you. It's not just about independent retailers. Independent retailers do need to support independent manufacturers when they get the opportunity to. And so, uh, Jim Rogers, uh, director of brands for Golden Paintworks. Uh, thank you so much for uh, uh, being on with me today. I really enjoyed uh, learning about your company. If you want to take five seconds, do you know the website? You can give a quick plug. Sure. It's goldenpaintworks.com. Terrific. And and if you want to reach out to Jim and ask him any questions, you can do that where, Jim? It's uh, jrogers at goldenpaints.com. Terrific. Well, Jim Rogers of Golden Paints, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. We appreciate the opportunity to speak with you, Mark, and your listeners. I appreciate the opportunity. You take care and have a good day. So that's our episode for today. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Mark My Words podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lipton, and you can hear this podcast. You can like, subscribe, review this podcast at the Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Blueberry, or on Stitcher. 